Thanks for listening to the Career Planning Show. You can listen to a new episode every Monday on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or any other platform where podcasts are shared. If you'd like to ask me a question, you can submit it via email at alex at rascanu.com. I'm Alex Roshkanu, and I'm coming to you from the Staples Studio in Midtown Toronto, Canada. You are joining a conversation about who you are, what work you were born to do, where you can do it, and how to get there. Today, we have the pleasure of discussing career planning, product marketing, and entrepreneurship with Kimberly West. Kimberly is a senior product marketing manager with a U.S.-based tech firm and the founder of Kids Swag, an e-commerce business that helps parents diversify their toy and accessory collection. Learn more about Kimberly at KimberlyWest.com and check out Kids Swag for products like the Ghana Map Puzzle my wife and I recently purchased for our daughter. Welcome to the Career Planning Show. How are you, Kimberly? I'm doing great, and thank you for having me. Of course. Kimberly, would you mind sharing um, what your career journey has been like for you so far? Topsy-turvy would be (laughs) the word to leverage. Um, I think what's cool maybe for the listeners to know is I actually went to undergrad with yourself. I studied at University of Toronto, the Scarborough campus. And initially, I studied politics, economics, because I wanted to get into international development. Mm -hmm. That was where my mind was at. Yes. And we'll talk about the in-between, but I can tell you right now I'm not there. (laughs) Right now I'm in the professional corporate space doing product marketing at a tech firm. So wherever you want to go with that. That's fascinating. So (laughs) would you say that there were specific points in time, certain experiences or certain individuals who maybe inspired you to um, get from where you were in your undergrad studies to um, in your product marketing role right now and and also having your, um, you know, passion project on the side, the Swag Kids brand? For sure. I can put some color into the journey uh, that was so far um, the latter part of my life. So I went into undergrad. I was really keen in political science and economics. So I did a double major in both of those. And then after that, I had the opportunity to actually work at the university. And I worked at Rotman School of Management. Mm -hmm. And that was really just scanning the sites. I didn't know what I wanted to do. After undergraduate, you're just like, I need a job. So (laughs) I looked to see if the university had something and Rotman School of Management was hiring a coordinator for their um, executive MBA program. So a little bit different from the MBA where MBA you would go in probably after one year of experience or straight after university. Mm -hmm. Executive MBA is for someone that has sort of seven plus years experience. They're a professional maybe at the sort of manager director level and they're now thinking about taking their career the next step. I say that because that experience had a huge impact on how my life kind of changed. Working at the Rotman School of Management, I was part of an organization of 10 women. It was the associate dean at the time that was leading it. And I was exposed to people who were already, in my mind, successful and intrigued that they were coming back to school to get their master's. And so being the coordinator for the program, they actually got catered lunch. And so at lunchtime, I was able to actually sit down with these individuals, Mm. chat with them, understand where they were in their career journey. What did they like about the job? Why were they doing school again at 
that point, I was like, I did my undergrad and finished. And so it was intriguing to hear that. And so seeing the impact of the different careers, some people were actually in the government sector and they were coming to get their executive MBA. MBA. Mm -hmm. Others were in the corporate space. They were all doing it because they recognized the importance of continuous learning, upgrading their skills, Mm -hmm. being able to take what they learn and then apply it to where their area of expertise was. And so the associate dean there, I mentioned her because she saw my interest and passion. She knew that I had done my undergrad in political science and economics and that I liked international development, but that I was starting to lean and get a bit more interested in business. Mm -hmm. She's the one that introduced me to this school that I never heard of called ESCP Europe. Yes. It's a school that's based in Europe, and they give you the opportunity to actually study in two locations in mm-hmm. Europe. You get to choose. And then they're you. They're top school. They are top school mm-hmm. in Europe. Yes, exactly. And so, I, and at this point, I didn't know that. I just thought, wait a minute, is there an opportunity for me now to upgrade my own knowledge base? Because I now see that's important. And I do, at this point, I still wanted to get into international development, and it would be good to have a business background in that. Why don't I explore this opportunity? It was called a master's in European business. And what they did was they mixed business and economics and political science together. So I thought, perfect. That's great. Plus, let's not forget that it was in Europe. So myself being born and raised in Canada, the opportunity to live in England and France, I wasn't going to (laughs) glaze over that. And so she gave me a really strong recommendation. She knew someone that was actually already attending the school. That person kind of walked me through Mm -hmm. how to apply. And so then I went to live in Europe for a year, had the best time of my life, no question. Also learned so much. I actually took part in what they, you know, you have the model UN. I took part in what they called their model EU. In Europe, it's the European Union. Yes. And so, again, still very steeped in the political side. But part of doing the master's, you actually have to do an internship where you work for a corporate and you work on a consulting project. So you do that in both locations. So in England, I worked for a company. And there it was focused on the viability of them entering a new market. And then in France, I worked for another company. I actually worked for a company that was in aerospace industries and mm-hmm. thinking about how do they now um, take that core competency and turn that into maybe products in the security space hmm. as well for just B2B business versus just um, sort of government and military. So product innovation. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so that was fascinating because I thought they trust myself as a student to work on financial modeling and understanding marketing and messaging and how they should actually go to market. Is this a job? (laughs) And the more that I started working on it and then the other students that were in the class, I got to learn more about their career path. And a lot of them wanted to get into finance and sort of equity uh, management. Others were going into this thing called consulting that I never heard of. And then others were interested in marketing and it it really spanned the gamut. Mm. But this idea of consulting is like, what is this? This mm. idea that I'm going to get paid to do research, to advise, to inform people how they should actually build their business and grow. That really piqued my interest. And so as much as I liked international development and that was the path for a while, I started to veer more to this idea of consulting. I also liked it because it felt like it was going to be fresh with consulting. It's more short Um, periods of work where you work with a particular company for six months to a year for a very clear goal and then you hand over the Mm -hmm. research and their team executes on it. Yeah, so you have an impact and you move on to the next project, the next learning opportunity. And I love that. And so um, the idea initially was to actually live in Europe. 
now the personal side comes into this. And I think we always have to be mindful of that in career planning. As much as I loved Europe, Canada was home. I also had a long distance relationship happening at the same time with someone I felt like I could build a life together. As much as I was fairly young in your early 20s, I was like, this is the person that I'm willing to come back to Canada for. Let's see how it goes. Fast forward, I'm now married for 10 plus years to this person with two kids. So it was the right choice. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, I, I was also actually in London, England for a couple of years oh, cool. and long distance and mm. came back and we've been married for seven years now. I love the yeah, yeah. See, so you made the right you <laughs> yeah. never know you, it's this thing called life where you roll the dice you're like let's see what happens and if it didn't work out I could have gone back right but it worked out and I, I don't regret it um, but with that I came back to Canada I was actually able to find a job this is the hard part so in terms of career planning Let's get into this. At the university, they actually, so the university in um, Europe where I was studying, ESP Europe, they actually had courses on prepping you to interview. Mm -hmm. I think it's really vital, really important. If the school's not offering it, then look for courses online, look for people that are offering the service. For you to be ready to actually enter into the corporate world, you need to make sure that you're able to tell the right stories. And simple things like the STAR method, and if you're not familiar with this, the STAR method is really a framework of how should you answer a question when an interviewer is um, asking you a question. So it's S for situation, T, the actual task, A, the action that you took, and the results. And it's a way of making sure that you're packaging your answers so you're not just rumbling on when somebody asks you a question. You're showing impact in the work that you actually did. So they showed me that. They showed me executive presence. How should you show up in terms of how do you present yourself? How are you going to speak? How are you going to reference the experiences that you had? So all of those things are really mm -hmm. important for the interview prep. The other part they prepped me on is my resume. What should you put on there? There's a difference in a resume from someone who's a new grad versus someone that has some experience. If you're a new grad, you're going to have to put that at the top. Unless you have, maybe you were working a job while you were going into school. Leverage that as a benefit. It shows that you've had some experience working in a professional environment, having to do teamwork, having to sort of be critical thinking. Maybe you did some sort of customer experience. All of those are vital skills. Never discount it. In my sort of lead up before undergrad, I had worked in call centers. So, yes, I was the annoying person calling people. Yep. I had worked in retail and I had worked in um, sort of seafood as well. And don't ask me about that. That was a very short time and I, I regret it, but it happened. But <laughs> <laughs> Everything is a learning experience, Everything's right? Everything's a learning experience. <laughs> and all of that helped in terms of me being able to know how to show up in an mm -hmm. interview, me being able to speak to experiences of different scenarios that I had been in. And then, of course, leveraging my um, master's and the internships I did, I was able to reference the projects I worked on where I actually worked on real projects for companies going through the research that they needed. And so I say that because when I came back to Canada and I was now looking for a job, I knew that I wanted to get in consulting. I did reach back out to the associate director that had um, introduced me to the university in the first place. She put me in contact with a couple of people. Another good point, every single person you meet is part of your network. Hmm. The people you went to school with, the people that you worked with, your family members, every single person is a part of your network. And it's important for you to continually articulate, not annoy, 
eye and like hit people over the head, but continually to articulate what you actually want to do. So if you know you want yeah. to go into consulting, when the opportunity comes up, you're at a dinner with friends, family, say, you know what, I'm really looking for a role in consulting. On top of that, scan your network. We now live in the digital age, which are fantastic. So you have LinkedIn. Yep. Look at it to see, is there anybody that I know that's already doing this? And you're not asking people for a job. The biggest thing that the associate director did was say, why don't you meet these people to ask them questions and find out what does their world look like? What's happening there? And then by making that new connection, because mm-hmm. now you're building a relationship, you're now on their radar if a job actually shows up. And if it doesn't, at least you learn something and you got even more knowledge to help you in the future interview that you're going to do. So that's key and important is always make sure you're prepared and leverage every experience as a learning opportunity and then sort of file it in your mind of like, okay, how can I leverage this further? So I say all of that because it wasn't easy. It's not as though I came back to Canada and I was like, yeah, I got a job. (laughs) I came back to Canada and it took me about five months to find a role. Luckily, it's still kind of a student lifestyle and living at home with parents and stuff like that. So it wasn't too bad. But definitely there was that stress of like, is this possible? Can and a I bit of a shock after having completed that, um, you know, master's program at the reputable school, having those great experiences, you come back and you get humbled by the welcome in the corporate world here. Yes, I'm uh, glad you pointed that out. Yes, <laughs> definitely humbled. <laughs> I understand where you're coming from. And so... One thing led to another. You had a number of um, learning experiences back here, and and where you find yourself now is serving as product marketing manager for a U.S. firm. How does one become product marketing manager, and how do you even get a job with a U.S. firm while you're based in Toronto? I love that question, and I think it goes back to those early lessons that I learned in terms of look at every experience as a learning opportunity. So in terms of becoming a product marketer, so I went into consulting. I then ended up actually in commercial real estate. I was still in a consulting type role, so I wasn't a broker. I was helping and consulting with the agency that was looking at how do they expand across Canada and how do they serve more interests. While I was doing that, they were now thinking about, well, this tech thing is starting to build up and then tech companies are going to have real estate interest. What are the things that we need to be prepped for in order to accommodate their interest? And so then I started again. Hmm. For me, it's always the background of being in economics, being in political science. Um, One of the things that we learned in political science is sort of the PEST EL analysis. I don't know Hmm. if you remember this, but it's like, what are the political, economical, social, technological, Hmm. ecological, and I think the L is legal, but you guys can Google and then mm-hmm. correct me if I'm wrong. But that's always in the back of my mind. And that lesson, which was from political science and economics, translates so well in hmm. the business world when you're thinking about I'm starting anything new. Hmm. And so being able to go through that work, I ended up actually working um, with Waterfront Toronto. They mm-hmm. were still currently um, building a development and their main goal was to get tech tenants within their space. So then I had to go dig into, well, what do tech tenants look like? Like a Google, Amazon, what are they looking for their space? I did some um, work with the town of, or city, sorry, of Hamilton, did some work with uh, the university out there as well to get better understanding of what's happening. So really digging deep, I, at the commercial real estate firm, that was part of my role was to do this for them. But at the same time, it's not like the knowledge is lost. It's not like I take the knowledge and just pass it on. I, I keep it. 
And so through that, I ended up then going to conferences. I wanted to learn more about tech, so I went to tech conferences, started learning about the tech scene in Toronto, realizing there was a really large scene in Kitchener, Waterloo. And so through that, I was like, wait a minute, these tech companies seem really cool. Is there some way to do a job with tech companies? I'm not too sure. Because I had these experiences of working with different people, interviewing them, finding out what they actually do, I was then able to actually reach out to a few of those people that I met and say, you know what, I'm thinking of making a switch. So I'll bring the personal back in because I think we always need to take this into account. I was working at the tech firm, the one, sorry, at the commercial real estate firm. The one thing with commercial real estate is that to really be successful, and I put in quotation marks, you can't see me at a commercial real estate firm, is to get your real estate license and to be a broker. Mm -hmm. That's your trajectory. So you could be the smartest person in the room and you're doing so mm. much work. But another humbling experience is that when I spoke to my VP at the time that I was reporting to, and I was like, you know, where can I go next? The next step was for me to get my license hmm. and to be a seller. To be able to move up in terms to of be able to move role. up within that particular um, industry organization. Mm -hmm. And it didn't feel right for me. I was like, well, that doesn't seem like what I wanted to do. It was never on my path to sell real estate. Like, this is interesting. I like the work that I'm doing where I'm trying mm -hmm. to help you figure out what are the different types of clients you can um, try to attract. But I don't actually want to sell. Yeah. And so that's so part of the reason. going back to work what you're most passionate about as opposed to what makes sense from a financial perspective. Uh, exactly. Period. Yes. Yeah. It couldn't just be money for me. And so um, going through that, I then was close. I was, so I, during this period of time, I did have my first child. So I got married, had my first child. All of this was happening at the same time. Um, then when I was pregnant with my second child, I thought, is this something that I want to do with the rest of my life? And having children also help to change perspective and let you sort of step back and be like, what's important in life and what, how am I spending my time? And so when I went on mat leave with my second daughter, I told myself, and so this is important about making an intention and then turning that intention from a dream into a plan by then putting steps into place. Another important skill when you're thinking about career planning is that a dream is something that you just put out there. A plan actually is then measurable. It has, it's a whole idea of smart. It has some sort of steps towards it yeah. that you can track against. And so I made my intention that I wasn't going to come back to commercial real estate while I was on mat leave. And so I told my husband that after six months of being on um, mat leave that I'm going to need him to be on mat leave because I'm going to take the next six months to pound the pavement and try to find a job. And we have the luxury of that here in Canada to do that. So I don't know, for the international audience, you can yep. work it out. <laughs> That's right. Um, but... Uh, doing that while I was on mat leave, then those same people that I had met doing the different research projects for the commercial real estate firm, I then invited them out for coffee, for tea, for cookies, whatever I could. I reached out to my network and I said, you know what, I think I want to work in tech, but I don't know what job I want. I didn't know anything about product marketing at this time. I just knew that I needed to do something, whether it was either in research, sales, or marketing. And this was me just stepping back to be like, what do I do? At certain points, you're like, am I good at anything? Mm -hmm. like, <laughs> like, or is there an intersection <laughs> among those, right? Yeah. You're like, I don't even know if this is a job. And so that's why you have to go through the discovery of not only researching and Googling online. Um, and I looked at a lot of different job postings mm. on LinkedIn and other sites, but talk to people. Yeah, People are living it, they're breathing it. And for them, it's so easy to see because they've been doing it for so long. 
And so I reached out to a few friends and I was like, you know what? You seem to know someone that works at this company and does this job. I would love to meet them. And luckily they're like, yeah, sure. Let me set up an appointment. You can have coffee with them. And I did. Those different people told me about all of these different jobs in marketing. So I, I learned about demand generation, knew nothing about that. I learned about field marketing, knew nothing about that. Learned about how to work in an agency, learned about being an account executive, learned so many different roles. And each time I was like, nope, don't like that job. Nope, don't like that job. And it helped because then instead of searching in this wide web of like all the things I could do, I started to be able to then kind of streamline, oh, okay, here's what I want to focus on. One of those people told me about product marketing. Hmm. And I thought, oh, this makes sense. Hmm. And a background on product marketing, really what it is, is especially for a tech firm, how it works, it's really saying that you have a particular product. So let's say it's an app, for example, and you're trying to market that product. Marketing a product is more than just the visuals, right? Marketing a product is who's your audience, What's the message that you want to tell out there? How are you going to sell it? So what different channels should you use? It's all the pieces that I actually learned when I was doing my master's in European business that I hadn't fully been using for a while. And when I started learning about product marketing, I was like, wait a minute, it's research. Mm -hmm. It's also marketing and it's sales. I'm good at all three of those things. So it's like also know your own strengths. And yeah. then when you find the role, yeah. you start to then be like, oh, I could do this. The struggle now was that I had never worked in product marketing and I had never worked in tech. And I thought, who would hire me? I have no idea. Talk about a resource. I don't even know how I found this woman, but her name is Liz Ryan. Liz Ryan is my go-to. She's on LinkedIn. You can Google her name. She has her own website. All of her resources are free, which is fantastic. She had all of these resources that talked about how should you write up your resume if you're trying to change careers? What types of stories should you tell? So for me getting into tech, so now I started applying to tech companies. Before I could do that, I had to reset my resume. Yeah. And I had to refocus on different things. And the key thing that she said and what we should all be aware of is know your audience. Mm -hmm. So when you look at a job posting, they tell you what they're looking for. Yeah. And put on yourself in the shoes of the recruiter, or the hiring manager. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, on their own website, their corporate website, you can learn more about the company. Google, you can learn more about the company. So that way you can look at it and say, what does this company care about? What are the key things? And so it could be things like a particular industry. They might say, you know what, we need people that can specialize in finance and healthcare. As much as you're working in tech, they're selling technology to a certain type of group. So I had background for particular companies. I had background in working with uh, retail, with working with um, hospitality, telecommunications, because of what I did in the real estate space. So I could check that box and now I just had need to reset it and say, you know what, here's what I did with these particular industries, regardless if it was in tech or not. The other experience they needed was someone who had some sort of management experience. Within the real estate firm, I actually had a team of five people, so I had managed people before, leveraged that. So I guess the main point is that there's transferable skills. And so those skills will get you to where you need to go. And always be mindful of kind of doing I do it now. I didn't do it back then, but kind of writing down what are the some transferable skills that I have, some key things, regardless what industry I go to, whatever job role I go to, they're going to be things that I actually leverage to be able to go into any other career. The other question that you asked me was this idea of how did I work for a U.S. firm? Mm -hmm. Really? That was just luck. 
I wasn't looking for a U.S. firm, so when I started to apply for jobs, it was really just looking on LinkedIn. They show you people who are hiring. And the first company that I ended up working for, which was 247.ai, they're based in California. They had recently acquired a company in Canada. That's how, because there are quite a few people that I've spoken to who um, found it difficult to go through the process of getting a work visa to the U.S. Um, and usually when someone um, is a U.S.-based employer and they post a remote job, they're actually looking for U.S. workers right. that are just based maybe in any state in the U.S. as yes. opposed to globally. So companies will make it happen for you. So I'll, I'll, you know, I'll give you an example because I'm living it right now. So working at this company in California, sorry, this company was based in California, but they acquired a Canadian company. And so I was able to still work locally yes. in Canada. They had the structure set up, but I was working for an American company. Yeah. In terms of the idea of how do you work for a U.S. company and they have no Canadian operations, that comes... It can be two or a couple of different ways, but I would say in my way, it came really from just, again, network. So I was working with people, and they were able to then connect me with different um, organizations. And when a company wants you, they will hire you. And so what happened is that right now, so I worked at 247.ai. That was my first company that I worked at as a product marketer in tech. I now work at a company called Sixth Sense. I'm only two, so I'm only the second Canadian employee that they have. Hmm. They had to set up something called P as in Peter, E as in Easter, O as in October. Yeah. <laughs> the struggle's <laughs> real. Um, but they made it happen. So if an American company wants to hire you and you show the skill set that they're looking for, they will make it work mm. and they will hire you. Mm. Does that happen the first time you get out the gate and you're like, I want to work? No, but it's because I had the experience. So now I've been working in product marketing and in tech for the past four years because I had the experience. And this was a recent job change. So I've been right. at this job for about two months now. Um, because I had the experience, because I had made relationships, I'm really big at networking, socializing, talking to people, um, it was just that much easier for when I interviewed with them and they weren't really officially hiring. They didn't even post the job. So yeah. this shows you the power of network. That's great. They didn't post the job. I was in a Slack group and I was just chatting with someone that worked there and I was like, your company's really cool. She's like, you're really cool. Why don't we have a conversation? And that's how it happened. So that's great. <laughs> Slack. Noted. <laughs> Join Slack groups that are in your industry. I'm actually part yes. of a few Slack groups as well, and I do notice quite a few jobs being shared there and people saying, hey, if you have anybody, let me know. Or if you're interested, actually, let's have a conversation offline. Yes. And uh, one thing leads to another. You end up getting hired through a Slack conversation. Because the biggest thing I would say, and I like what you said about, you know, um, the people that you know, is that or sorry, put yourself in the shoes of the recruiter. I've mm -hmm. had to recruit people before. Mm -hmm. It's hard. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times you're like, I wish I just knew someone who knew someone and I could hire them. Otherwise, you're going through 200 plus resumes. You bring people in. You go through so many different interviews. You can interview with 10, 20 different people. Yeah. And then from there, you're like, I think one or two of them kind of work. And you have to go through another round of interviews. <laughs> and then hopefully you bring them on board. Hopefully they actually can do the job. Then you have to train them. It's a lot. Yes. But if you can get someone who's already got sort of a seal of approval from a friend or a past colleague, easy. That's right. So if somebody dreamed of becoming a product marketing manager, 
Um, are there any, is there some sort of a common path to becoming a product market manager or um, are there certain um, educational resources or learning experience that you recommend someone go through in order to um, end up in a role that's similar to yours? I love that question. I think one of the reasons I love product marketing is because there isn't a standard background. Every single product marketer that I've met has a different background. I work with one guy, his background is in UX, which is user experience design. Mm -hmm. I worked with other people who came from product management, which is more the engineering technical side. Some people come from the creative side. They were actually a brand manager or a creative designer and they came over. That's the cool thing about product marketing is that it really is saying we need someone, and typically it's someone who has sort of five plus years of experience, I would say. You need someone that's had experience in understanding anything to do with building a product, building even a concept, so user design and the creative people, mm-hmm. understanding you know, the importance of customer and what it means to then need to pivot or change because things aren't working, and a desire to constantly be sort of curious, I would say. And so if I think about background education that you need, um, I would say it really is university is so critical and so vital because the biggest difference for me between high school and university is university forces you to critically think, to question, to challenge, to discover, to present. There's so many transferable skills that happen there that are so important when it comes to product marketing. And then the other piece is look for organizations. So there's actually a group and I joined it. It's called the Product Marketing Alliance. And so whatever industry you're going into, whether it's product marketing or anything else, there's so many different groups that exist now, whether it's on LinkedIn or Facebook, that you can join. And then they're probably going to be sharing resources, articles, people like writing blogs on Medium. They're going to be sharing different webinars or all these different things. Like now, in terms of your education, you have to be the one that's curating what type of books should I be reading? What type of courses should I be attending? Always invest in yourself and look at, okay, you know what? There's a particular job that I like. I And then do a self-audit. I feel like I'm good at most of this, but some of it I'm not too sure about. In your current job, most companies have a marketing team. So if you want to get in marketing and right now you're sitting in finance, make friends with the marketing team. And I say, I want to help you on a project. Exactly. Can, can you give me a side project to work on off the side of my desk? when Exactly. When and that's and that's how it works. It really is just saying, you know what? I and you have to make sure you're doing your core jobs. You're getting paid to do a that's job. Right. Do that job, but then reach out to someone else in the other department and say, you know what? I like what you're doing. Would you mind if I could sit down with you half an hour and just learn? And then after that meeting, you can say, you know what? If ever you need help, I could help you with this small thing. And they might share a few small things with you, or they might share resources with you. But now you're starting to educate yourself, and you've built a new connection that can now put it on the radar of their manager or the rest of the department. You know what? There's a good person here that maybe we should bring over and we could train up and offer support because they already know the company. So getting them to learn marketing, we could teach them that. I can tell you one thing I came across that I thought was interesting. When you go into undergrad and even your master's, when you're studying marketing, they teach you B2C marketing. Yes. There's not a university program that's teaching you B2B marketing. Yeah, business to business, right? They business teach to business. Business to consumers. So how can uh, a retail brand um, sell to consumers who are maybe purchasing in the store? Um, but they're not really focusing on how can this business sell to the other business. Exactly. And, uh, and a lot of businesses are purely B2B. They're purely focused on adding value to other businesses as opposed to 
um, serving the consumer directly. I love that. And so I say that and why I I love that is because it reinforces my point that you have to be your own teacher. So don't feel like, oh, I don't have the skill or I'm not capable. Say, yes, I do have the skill and then I need to find people that are going to help me because B2B marketing is learned through experience and through relationship. I didn't start out knowing B2B marketing. I I didn't know what this was. It was through different projects. You learn, you pick yourself up and you keep going and that's how you grow. So it's that piece I would say in your career planning is knowing that it's never going to be I'm finished. Mm. There's always going to be something else that you need to learn. That's great. Um, Let's switch gears a little bit and um, move into entrepreneurship. Um, You have uh, a side project that you've been working on for a number of years now that's growing and growing. And um, as an entrepreneur, you actually bring other entrepreneurs on board and it becomes a much uh, more interesting experience. So would you mind speaking about your journey to becoming an entrepreneur? Um, You know, about maybe talk about KidSwag and also um, some of the learnings um, that you've been able to gather along the way. For sure. Yes. So uh, I'll flash back to what I mentioned where I said when I went on mat leave with my second daughter, I made the intention that I was not going back to commercial real estate. I did not have the intention at that time to start a business. It was more so I'm going to change careers and I knew I wanted to get into tech. But while on mat leave and you're raising your child, you're being a mother and all of this, um, I started to recognize an opportunity. So what happened is with my first daughter... At age two, and I should mention that I am black, so I'm a person of color. So at age two, my daughter came to me and said, I want to have blonde hair and blue eyes. And that's Hmm. what she desired. And I thought, okay, now she seems to have a singular view of beauty. And where did I go wrong? There seems to be a problem here. And I thought I was being intentional about the images I was putting in front of her, but it wasn't enough. And then when I started looking around my home, I realized I had Disney curtains and Disney table and Disney, mm. like everything. And you just do that because you're like, it's my child and I love them. I'm going to buy everything in the world. And the store set it up and make it so easy to buy a lot of the same one note product that gives you a singular view yeah. or singular narrative of what it means to be beautiful, what it means to be successful. And so with that, I was then at that point with the first starting to find stuff online. I started finding dolls and backpacks because I realized that as much as I had the books, the books weren't enough because it wasn't something that she could creatively interact with every day. It wasn't something that was constantly in front of her and reminding her of her own self-worth. And so when I started finding these really cool products, I found brands all the way from the Netherlands to the UK to South Africa. I would share it on Facebook and friends and family would be like, this is really cool. Again, never thought that was a business. But when I got on mat leave and I was telling people, you know, I want to switch jobs and I was still going, of course, through the process of finding a job, a friend told me, well, you could also start a business. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what are you talking about? She's like, well, you seem to be really good at finding products and finding these brands that already exist with really cool, positive representation of black youth. I'm sure you're not the only parent that wants stuff like that. And I thought, oh, maybe that's a business? I'm Mm -hmm. not too sure. So me, I'm a little bit of a crazy person where I probably do too much at one time. So on top of being on mat leave and trying to raise two children and also looking for a full-time job, I was like, why not start a business? So I started my company called Kid Swag, inspired by my girls, 
And the core concept idea behind Kid Swag is we make it very easy to discover and shop images or products with positive black images. So everything from puzzles to we have a beautiful jewelry box to backpacks to notebooks. Really, the idea is let's make it as easy as possible because the mainstream stores aren't. And then parents are confronting this issue of their child not feeling like they're self-loved. Which is great. But, and I really um, appreciate that. And, um, you know, I, I actually just got the, the Ghana yes. uh, puzzle, which I'm looking forward to my daughter <laughs> um, experiencing. I, I do think that it's a really great initiative that you're working on. Is there, um, are there a lesson or two that you've taken away um, from your entrepreneurial um, journey um, that you're able to then apply into your day-to-day -day work as a product marketing manager? 100%. So um, as a product marketing manager working in tech, you're usually doing business-to-business -business sales. With my own company, Kid Swag, I'm doing business to consumer. So it's a whole other area of learning that I've had to understand and like refresh myself and like what does it mean to do B2C. But on top of that, in product marketing, as I mentioned, there's different aspects of marketing. Product marketing doesn't actually do what we are typically familiar with with marketing, which is the ads that you see or the different types of creative visuals. Product marketing will inform, well, where should you put those ads and what message should be on those ads? But then the work of like, well, how do you set up an ad or how do you set up a webinar? These are all things that I've learned by running Kids Swag that now make me so much better in hmm. collaborating with my colleagues That's that right. are working in field marketing and demand generation. And so now when I come to the meeting, I have a full scope and understanding of how to advise them and how to do their job better so that the company can be successful. Because you're doing it on your side business and then you're able to apply those learnings in your day-to-day -day job, which is actually very valuable for whichever employer uh, you're, you're serving. Yes, and I didn't plan that, but that's just been a really nice side piece. That's great. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on The Career Planning Show. Thank you so much, Alex, for having me. Thank you for listening to The Career Planning Show. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe to the show and share it with a friend. For more episodes, you can find The Career Planning Show on demand wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also find me on the main social media platforms by following at A-L-E-X-R-A-S-C-A-N-U.